When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison. And first, I want to thank you guys for being so understanding of me taking a couple weeks off. My life has been super crazy lately, so I just needed a little break from researching, editing, recording, all the things. So thank you guys for being understanding, and I am glad to be back, giving you new episodes now. So normally, I don't record an intro with my Ryan Pryor episodes, which is what this one's going to be, but I had to, guys, because we got some big news the other day, and if you haven't heard about it, you got to hear about it. Big news story of the past seven days. Ryan Murphy, who is the mega producer who created all the American Story franchise, he is creating a spinoff that is called American Love Story that will cover the story of JFK Jr. and Carolyn Bissett Kennedy. I am so hyped for this. I'm a huge Ryan Murphy fan. Anyway, love uh, basically all of his shows. American Horror Story scares me a little bit, not gonna lie, but the rest of them, great. The OJ crime series, American Crime Story, all those. So good. I'm stoked. I literally dropped the phone and said, (gasps) heavy gasp, scared my husband, was like, oh my gosh, he's making a show. So I'm very excited. And I figured you guys would be too. Can't wait to see more come out from that, see who's going to play who and the show as a whole when it comes out. Also had to tell you guys, I created a new sweatshirt and I'm not going to lie. It's pretty awesome. I already ordered one for myself and a sticker of it. It's a very vintagey inspired Kennedy compound shirt with almost like an artistic rendering of the main house, the Joseph P house. It just looks like a really cool, almost like a varsity sweatshirt and there's all kinds of stuff in the line. There's crop tees, there's regular tees, there's sweatshirts, there's stickers, there's bottles, there's mugs, all kinds of stuff like that. And it's it's awesome. I can't lie. I, I'm giving myself a tiny little pat on the back for it because it just turned out so cool. It was exactly how I wanted it to. And I've already gotten tons of orders. So you guys are liking it too, which makes me so, so happy. So I'm going to put a direct link in the description of this episode to check out that sweatshirt. And I hope you guys will get it. That'd be awesome to rep some Kennedy Dynasty this fall. And if you get it, please tag me in an Insta story or something letting me know that you purchased it. And that would make me so, so happy. All right, without further ado, let's get to the episode. Me and Pryor recorded a two-parter about Bobby's trip to the Mississippi Delta. And I just think that this trip is so very important to learn about. The impact that it had on our country after it was made, how Bobby just really took the bull by the horns and tackled needs in our country is just so, 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 so inspiring from this trip and how it impacted him as a whole too. So make sure that you listen to part one and part two because part two is going to be a little more detailed about the actual visit. I hope you enjoy it. And here's the episode. Today, I am joined by the one, the only, the one that everyone will not stop driving me nuts about having back, Ryan Pryor. Thank you Hello. for coming on again. You're a fan favorite. I'm a, I'm, I, I, I heart your fans. I, I think need your to fans take, are great. I need to we take a second. Had, 
And sorry for interrupting each other, but I need to take a second and explain to people because I'm getting a lot of messages of people being like, bring Ryan on for a permanent co-host. And <laughs> I feel that, would love it, but can you please tell the people that you've got a job? <laughs> um, <laughs> you- yeah, I have a I have a job. I love this. I really do. I love getting on with Allison and I love, and, and what we try to do, we try to record a lot of episodes together at one sitting. Like we do try to record multiple episodes. I usually, when she, when I come on, it's usually like, hey, Allison, I can give you maybe two or three or four good episodes here let's let's just knock them out um and i as much as i would love it yeah it's um it is unfortunate but i um i do not think that a full-time thing as right now unless allison this becomes you know huge and you can pay me a salary Mm. then we can talk you know what i mean hey yeah i'm not even making any money from it and also guys i have a job too i'm busy too i'm doing this for you guys every single week like pounding it out doing it and also i can't decide if i'm a little offended that people say they want you on as per like like should that be offensive to me i think they just like our chemistry and you should take that as a compliment okay i'll take it as a compliment and i think we have great chemistry and i think that they like it and i think that we should uh, we should uh, we should say that we should i I've been talking to my students this week. It's our first week back. And one of the things that one of my big rules is you will assume good intentions from people until they give you a reason otherwise. Uh, in my classroom, you will assume good intentions. Um, because That's so positive. So many, well, it has to be because at the end of the day, if we come, I think we, we especially as we're coming back together and people are being sharing space again, uh, it's very easy to, uh, when you're online, uh, dehumanize other people and just assume that they're they're dumb or assume that they're idiots or assume that they don't mean well and just be hostile from the get-go. And in order for us to do what we do, in order for teachers to do what we do, in order for students to work with each other and around each other, they have to assume that they're uh, that the other people around them are are have good intentions until that other person, those other people show them that they're not. And once that happens, then you can start to have conversations of you know conflicts and things like that. But but until then, you have to you have to um, you have to assume good intentions. Well, that was your Ryan Pryor nugget of wisdom. Nugget of wisdom. I don't know what that had to do with me being offended. Well, what I'm saying is, I would assume good intentions from from your viewers, from oh. your listeners. Assume okay, that they assume that they both love you and they like me and they would like they. It's like hey. It's like the guy, um, yeah. the Earl, the Earl of Sandwich, who was like, "Man, I friggin' love peanut butter, but I also love jelly." And mm. one day he was like, "Man, I wonder if I could do both." And then yeah. he made the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and the rest, as they say, was history. Which uh, controversial opinion? Peanut butter and banana is way better. Okay, but it's not. That's not even a comparison. That's just don't saying, you love like, Elvis? You know his favorite saying, sandwich was a fried peanut butter banana sandwich, and I, it's I'm, amazing. I'm very aware of that. I'm just saying that, like, you're just like comparing apples and oranges. It's two different sandwiches. Oh, you're very serious today. Well, that was a fun little intro. We're, we're talking about something today that I think is very near and dear to the my wife's heart, mm-hmm. um, and I'm the one talking about it. But I'm going to give you this the a backstory. But we're going to try. We need you guys to just pour out uh, responses on the on the um, reviews so that. Um, Allison can cajole my wife into coming on and talking about what she does for a living because yes. I think it's really important. Yes, um, we need to hear from her guys. Yes, because the epi- what we're talking about today, which was uh, John, uh, not John, sorry, Robert Kennedy's trip to the Mississippi Delta in 1967, um, is such an important and seminal moment, not only in his life. Robert Kennedy's life was changed by this trip. 
But what he discovered, or not discovered, discovered would imply that it didn't exist before he saw it. But what he found in the Mississippi Delta and the information that he brought back to the United States government, to the federal government, literally led to uh, the near end of malnutrition in this country. Uh, And additionally, to this day, organizations like my wife's organization work in the Delta to help provide health care to guys, the poorest people in the country. Um, If you've never been to the Mississippi Delta, if you don't know anything about the Mississippi Delta, uh, I one highly recommend you visit because the food and the people are so amazing. There are not there are no better people nor better food in this entire country, I swear to God, than the alluvial floodplain along the Mississippi River in the state of Mississippi, just south of Memphis. But to the other side of it, there is no greater poverty. There is no greater um, just things that you don't think exist in the United States. Things that you wouldn't think exist in the United States are in the Mississippi Delta. And, uh, you know, it's a great place for a lot of reasons, but it needs a lot of help. Mm-hmm. So just something to think about. Yeah. And we touched on it a little bit in an RFK episode. We did, I think it was my second or third episode and Caroline did join me on that, but it was just a teeny tiny little thing. So we want to dive so deep into this and y'all, she teased me. I thought she was coming on tonight and I was so hype, but she's busy and that's okay. I understand, but we have to get her on because she can speak to this so well, but we're going to go through all the history of it, all that kind of stuff. And then I would love for Caroline to come on and talk about the organization she works with in the Delta in the future. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Let's do it. So John F. Kennedy, when he was elected along with Lyndon B. Johnson, right, one of his big programs was a war on poverty, right? John F. Kennedy, uh, and then then continued by Lyndon Baines, my favorite man, mm. uh, womp, they, womp. Wanted to, they, <laughs> they wanted to create a war on poverty, which is a, kind of an ironic, you know, uh, uh, a weird term, right, a war for on poverty. Um, and, uh, and to that end... Uh, Johnson's Great Society were a series of programs to uh, try to up in to end poverty. Um, and by 1967, they had kind of been like washing. They were like, oh, we did it. We ended poverty. In, in an attempt to right, sort of renew the public's interest in this war on poverty, um, the United States Senate Committee on Labor held a bunch of hearings to sort of see like, indi- like people's stories, people's um, cl- like whether or not that was true. Basically, tell us whether or not we've actually ended poverty. Have we actually eliminated it? And uh, a young man, 27-year-old man by the name of Marion Wright, and he was uh, working for the NAACP's legal fund in Mississippi, um, came forward. And what he told the Senate Committee on Labor or the Senate Committee on Labor was that because of federal laws regarding mechanization and subsidies – Mississippians, specifically Mississippi farmers, were basically uh, incentivized to not plant cotton in their fields. If you don't know, the land in the Mississippi Delta is some of the most fertile land in the entire world, okay? Just about everything grows in the Mississippi Delta, and what specifically grows is cotton. Um, To this day, cotton is still king in the Mississippi Delta, Um, and you know, is a huge cash crop and it grows, 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 grows like wildfire. And, 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 um, I've been down to this, the Mississippi many times, as you know, I'm, I'm a graduate of university of Mississippi. And, uh, what I'll tell you is I've went hunt, I go hunt ducks there every year in the Delta and I stay in, um, I stay out in, out in this place. I'm going to tell you about it in a minute because it connects to what we're talking about. 
and uh, I stay out in the middle of nowhere. But this is the thing. The Delta, all of the Delta is the middle of nowhere. There's no high rises. There are no apartment buildings. There are no big buildings above five stories. There's no, there's like, there's tiny little towns and fields. And I will sit out whenever I'm sitting out at night um, at the place we stay when we hunt. And you can literally just see the stars and there's no lights for miles. It is eerie. It is dark. And it is, um, there's an, there's a weird sort of feeling to it. It just, you feel isolated. And what Marion Wright told the Senate committee was that because of these particular policies, sharecroppers, of course, we know sharecroppers were people who did not own land, but rather worked on other farmers' land. Uh, to farm crops and then paid them sort of a, a fee or gave them a percentage of their crops. Sharecroppers who were mostly black men uh, were out of jobs because there was because the, the federal government also due to mechanization because there was no longer lo- like labor needed to do as much of the work on cotton farms uh, or what would we call cl- still plantations at that time until this day. Um, black farmers in the Mississippi Delta were starving basically and their families were starving. And Robert Kennedy doesn't, like, is sort of going, wait a minute, it, like, what do you mean, you know? Um, and, and Wright says they're starving. They're, their families, their children are starving to death because they, they can't get jobs. One of the things that was talked about was the fact that Mississippi had recently moved from a, like, a, a, a food program that would give excess food that was produced uh, by farmers in the states out to poor families to a food stamp system that required families to buy food stamps. And these farmers were making no money and couldn't afford them. And so Joseph P. Clark, or Joseph S. Clark, I'm sorry, rather, um, basically suggested that um, they go down to Mississippi to see if what he was saying was true. Robert Kennedy grew up in Hyannisport, for God's sake. He, he didn't know, you know, he'd never been to these places. And so they did. They arrived in Jackson, Mississippi, on April 9th, 1967, and uh, they were not met with a thunderous applause. Republican senators, Republican congressmen, and some we would call Dixiecrats, Southern Democrats, who uh, were largely pro-segregation, were there, led by a guy named Mississippi Senator named John Stennis, okay, who was, of course, a staunch seg- segregationist, and basically said, you Northern liberals, you East Coast elites, you... You politicians, you have no business coming to Mississippi. You have no business trying to tell us how to take care of our people. And they basically, they they took hearing after hearing after hearing in the Olympic ballroom of the Hotel Heidelberg in Jackson, Mississippi. The room was meant to accommodate 300 people. A thousand people showed up because this was big news. Robert Kennedy, the, 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 the brother of, you know, John F. Kennedy was in town and the people of Mississippi, and I'm going to tell you something. There's something you need to know a little bit about Mississippi, for those of you who've never been, about the history and about its people. Mississippi has been referred to in the past as sort of an impenetrable fortress. From its very origins to its current present day, the people of Mississippi are often very wary of outsiders. They don't like people coming in to tell them what to do. It's why when the freedom, whenever like Freedom Summer happened and people came down from the Northeast, white College students came down from the Northeast. That's why that's why they would get murdered. And so you've got to understand that this is a part of like the mentality. People in Mississippi, they don't like outsiders. They don't like being told what to do. And especially at this time, they really didn't like being shown the light of what was going on to the black men and women of their of their state. 
And so they sort of have these, these hearings. They talk about things like they have black doctors come in, talk about the high infant mortality rate, the fact that, they, that black children were uh, twice as likely to die between zero and five after childbirth as white children, which, by the way, is a statistic that is still to this day is true, not just in the Mississippi Delta, but in the United States of America. Black children, pregnant black women are far more likely to suffer from complications and, and high infant mortality rates. And uh, one of the big things that they were having having conversations over was something called the Head Start program. You might have heard about it, and it still exists. Head Start is a pretty con- not a controversial thing necessarily, but it can be. And Car- Caroline's organization also partners with Head Start. Head Start basically helps to provide um, access to preschool, right, for poor children, um, often children of color, often children in minority communities. Literally, there was this huge sort of debate over that, whether it was even working, whether it was helping. And at the end of it, most of the other members of the committee that had come down had said basically, okay, we've heard enough. We've heard what we need to hear. We'll take this back to Washington and we'll see what we can do about it. But RFK said, I want to see it. He said, it's not enough for me to hear what you just said. If what you say is true, I have to see this. And so on April 10th, 1967, he and the only other member of the committee who stayed, who was Joseph S. Clark, drove with a cavalcade of reporters and newspapermen and uh, television networks, U.S. Marshals, and they drove up U.S. Route 61 to visit locations Marion Wright had suggested they go to. One thing I just think is crazy, I'm not trying to cut you off because this is just no, so interesting to me. Um, I've read about all this before, but it's kind of weird to think about the fact that this is literally America. Like it's not some third world story you're hearing, which are all also just as tragic, but it's literally the United States of America that this was taking place in. And still, I mean, is a really impoverished part of our country in general, but it's just, it's astounding, it was, honestly. It was, it, was, it was the United States of America 52 years ago. Yeah, that's not a long time. <laughs> my gra- my grandmother's 84. Yeah. My grandmother's 85. So my grandmother was, when this happened, 36. My grandmother was older than I was when this happened. It's wild. It just hurts your heart so bad to think about it like that. I don't know. Uh, you, you, you ought to talk to Caroline. I know. Um, well, I've tried. <laughs> we'll get her there. Guys, guys, put some things out there. She actually has very little ego. She doesn't care what you think about her and she doesn't care for your like, but if you if you say something, say, come on, Caroline, we want to see, we want to hear Caroline. We want to hear Caroline. Caroline. And get and Allison will send her that information. Eventually she will be bu- she'll be bullied enough. And they arrive uh in Cleveland, Mississippi, which is actually interestingly enough where Caroline, one of uh, Caroline does a lot of her work, is out of Cleveland. I think this we've been going for about 17 minutes, and I don't want to leave a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next part of the story is where things sort of an eye-opening experience for RFK. Okay. And I think it would be beneficial for us to sort of curtail it here and say, if you want to know more about this story, come back next week. Perfect. So would you call this the prelude? I would say that this is the prelude. Prelude. Give the people what they want. Give the people <laughs> what say. they want. Okay, guys, don't blame me for this being a shorter episode if uh, you're going to say anything about it. It was Ryan. He chose 17 minutes, so go to his Well, DMs, I would say, mine. hold on. Don't, don't, listen, guys, this is a, this is a, not only a really good story, but also this is a seminal moment in Robert Kennedy's life, mm-hmm. okay? Other than, I mean, this is a seminal moment. And so um, there's just a lot more to this story, but the next part is kind of hits you in waves. Sure. And so, I like, 
I would be doing it a disservice if I continued on to tell you and then stopped in the middle because the next part has to be told in one chunk and that's going to take 20 minutes. Right. So I apologize. We are up to 18, 19 minutes now, by yeah, the way. We're good. Um, but what I do want to say, a little fun fact, not a fun fact, but something to, to just ponder on. Um, to this day, um, sharecroppers, just going back and, and again, the whole the thing that started this whole tour, you can go and you can see these places, the sharecropper cabins, that they're, they still exist. They still are dotted all throughout the Mississippi Delta. Some of them are abandoned. Some of them have re, been repurposed. I would highly recommend that uh, if you're interested in, Ameri- in American culture and, and understanding America better um, and understanding the, the, un- the underbelly, the parts that you don't know about, especially if you live in a big city, take a tour of the Mississippi Delta. Go down and see um, that, that because it, it is eye-opening. Um, and we're mm-hmm. going to tell you a little bit more about the history of that in the next episode. So thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Make sure you rate it five stars, write a positive written review, tell Caroline to come on the podcast, check out tell all Caroline the links. To come. Yes. Check out all the links in the show notes and I will talk to you guys next week. Come on and vote for Kennedy, vote for Kennedy, keep America strong. History is the greatest adventure story. But does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? This is Lori from the Her Half of History podcast, and the answer is that some women were seizing power, or escaping slavery, or spying for their country, or creating artistic masterpieces, while countless others were doing the laundry, getting married, and wondering why their clothes don't have more pockets. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out Her Half of History at herhalfofhistory.com or wherever you get your podcasts.